Conversations with Leaders is a podcast focused on the intersection of business and technology. In this episode, AWS Enterprise strategist Jake Burns is joined by Christina Fonseca, VP of Product in Charge of AI and Machine Learning at Zendesk, to discuss the right way to implement AI in your organization. Hey, Christina, I'm Jake Burns. I'm Enterprise Strategist at AWS. Uh, thank you for being here. Can you uh, introduce yourself and tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Of course. Um, and first of all, thank you so much, Jake and AWS, for the invitation. I am Christina Fonseca. I am a VP of product uh, in charge of AI and ML at Zendesk. Uh, fun fact, I joined two years ago uh, through an acquisition. So I used to be the CEO of um, an AI company, an automation company for CX. Um, and Zendesk acquired us to accelerate roadmap and to integrate some of our technical artifacts. That's great. So, uh Maybe we could talk about, just start off with what everyone wants to know, what is the right way to implement AI or artificial intelligence? So there's like, I don't think in the past we had a good playbook of how to implement AI in CX, right? right. So to me, the right way to implement CX is, first of all, let me understand the customer. Let me understand what customers contact me about. And after that, I need to distinguish very well between what should be automated and what should not be automated. Because when we think about automation, that's great, but not everything can be automated. There's queries, there's things that really require a human agent, either because they need to go look information up in internal systems, because cases are like too sensitive. Um, and I think there's no one size fits all. So to me, the first job of AI should be help CX leaders understand what should be automated versus what should not be automated. And if we have AI do that split, we can optimize for the perfect experience, which is what makes sense. Otherwise, it, I think it's going to be very tough for everyone to embrace AI because we are very good at pointing when AI does the wrong thing, right? Oh no, like it doesn't work well. It's, it's just giving me wrong answers. It's not understanding me. Um, but I think if we can distinguish and have a strategy around uh, like using AI when AI can really help um, and leveraging humans for the tough cases, the ones that require human assistance, the ones where empathy can really make a difference, then everyone can win. Mm. So, um, so there's a lot of people out there trying to figure out right now where they could use AI within their organization. Um, you said use it where it makes sense and use humans where it makes sense. Can you give us an idea of what your opinions on where it does make sense to use AI right now? Look, to me, um, like let's, let's maybe go through the customer journey and try to understand the, the role of AI in each of the phases. So first of all, and usually the first thing that customers do when they require help is to search, right? right. So when you search, right now, the search tools we have available could be improved to not give me maybe a bunch of links or a bunch of like other pages I can go read to find information. But like we have technology that can give me the actual reply right now. So I would say there's a trend and there's an opportunity here to... I search, I get the reply, same thing in bots or in conversational uh, agents. I contact the company. If the, if, the, if the answer to my question can be found online or can be, can be just like a, a predefined answer, like technology should, be, should make that job 
go fetch the reply and send that back to the customer. Then there's another level, which is I'm asking a question, which is about my order or about my account. And in that case, I need to be able to go like get information from an internal system and craft a reply depending on that. Some companies are a little bit further ahead and the systems talk to, to, to one another already. So if that's the case, AI can, can also automate those cases, understanding what I want, understanding where to fetch that particular information, crafting a reply that's personalized depending on my case, sending it back to me. Fine. If I'm happy, I'm happy. If I'm not happy, like I should be able to say, well, look, I still have further questions. The AI is already smart or should be smart to uh, um, uh, talk to me in a conversational way, but there's questions and there's topics that require escalation to a human. And we need to work at that end off. We need to understand like what's the right point uh, uh, in time to escalate and what are the mechanisms we need to build to make sure, uh, I mean, AI does a piece of, of, of the job, but then when it's time to escalate and when the AI can help me, I'm, I'm not in a loop of, I don't understand, I don't understand, I don't understand. Right. Uh, and I have no other option for you. So you're going to like be stuck here talking to a bot that, that cannot be very helpful. And then I would say there's um, another level, which maybe technology is ready, but I'm not sure humans are, which is, for example, I ask, hey, I need a refund. And Amazon is probably good. Like it's 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 way ahead. <laughs> so I know you do you do you do these kinds of things, but for the majority of companies, me saying hey, like there was a problem with my order, you got it wrong, I need a refund. Automatically, doing actions that used to be decided by a human agent, but the AI can make the decision uh, uh, now and interact with the system and refund the money and treat the customer well and inform the customer everything has been done. It was pro- it would probably be very quick. But I think here, like the, the we would have machines talking to machines. And I think although technology is ready in some cases, I mean, it, these are complex integrations, I'm not sure humans are. Because the question is, how comfortable are we with instead of having a human decide on an action, having a machine, trusting the machine will do the right thing. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I, I think I agree with that. I think that's true for most new technologies and most transformations. Um, you know, the technology tends to uh, become ready uh, more quickly than, than, than we're prepared to do it, right? So you know, in, in, in working with companies uh, and, and leaders within those companies that are uh, adopting cloud even a few years ago, uh, it's really the technology is is the easy part. It's uh, getting people to be comfortable with it, like you said. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. Um, what do you think it will take for us as uh, uh, a species to become comfortable with the capabilities of AI that we even have today so we can use them to their full advantage? Uh, it's a very good question, and it's one, especially in our context, that we think about a lot. And I think it's a matter of applying AI where it should be applied. And 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 uh, I'm also an entrepreneur. And for example, I would never build a company that would use AI, for example, to do accounting. It needs to be right 100% of the times. But in CX, I mean, it should be right as much as possible. But 
for the majority of the cases, um, if we are transparent about a prediction we make about a reply we give being automated, I think we are okay with one, if you're not very confident to have agents have a final say, right? So not automate things that we, we, we are not super confident about. And this is where having a human in the loop in certain cases makes a lot of sense and we can leverage agents for that. Um, but also if I send something for the majority of cases, if I send something to a customer that's not 100% accurate and I make that transparent and I tell my customer, look, this was an automated reply. If we got it wrong, like, please reach out and we will, we will, we will assist you. Um, that's not going to be super damaging. So in, in the way we build product at Zendesk, first of all, we like to make the confidence level of our AI predictions transparent to the user. One, because we believe that's going to help them, uh, one, build trust in the technology. And let me give you a very good example. Um, right, one of the functionalities we have available is um, it's very common that customer service agents use uh, like pre-built replies, right? Like templates mm -hmm. uh, uh, for for the most common cases, and we recommend which template, which reply to use for every single case. Sometimes I'm like ninety five percent sure that's the reply you need to use. I've seen that thing like a million times before. It's just click a button and go. So the confi my confidence level in that case is going to be high. But there's other instances where I don't have a good template. That's a super unique case. I've never seen that. Um, in that case, I don't have a good reply. So whatever I recommend will have very low confidence level. If I don't show that to the agent, it will be very easy for the agent to say, oh, this AI thing doesn't work because it's giving me the wrong predictions. But if I make the confidence level available, the agent understands, okay, like AI is just trying, right? Like doesn't have a good reply, but he's, but he's trying and I can act on that. Same thing in regards to automation. Um, I think like, because like everyone is still building the, the best practices in terms of implementing AI. Uh, and when we hear automation, sometimes that scares people a little bit. Oh, I'm not ready to automate. Either because I am a bank or my customers are enterprise or uh, I'm just very skeptical of the technology or I'm very risk averse. So there's a million reasons for companies to say, I'm not ready to automate yet. But if I give them the confidence level of what I think that particular request is about, they can start small, right? It's right. not that I need to automate everything on day one, but I can say, well, maybe when customers ask me about where's my order, I can send them an automated reply and tell them, well, here is how you check where your order is. Like, absolutely no risk. Start small. So you can go from there. Um, and I think for us to build confidence in technology, we need to start uh, 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 small. Uh, there's also now, like, with generative AI, there's the promise of, okay, I click a button, I deploy a bot, the bot talks to customers, everything is magic. And this is possible. And there's companies that are totally like, okay, we're doing that. The, but the majority of our customers want to start small, see how things are working, test them, maybe deploy them first to their internal employees and then go from there. Right. Uh, so yeah, like exciting times. 
<laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I really like what you were saying about um, instead of perhaps, at least as a first step, having, you know, AI system talk directly to the customers, maybe have the AI system assisting your employees who's, who are talking to the customers. So it's kind of like a cooperative effort between your human employees and the AI, uh, your AI systems, in order to provide better service for your customers uh, through kind of like maybe just a message popping up saying, hey, maybe suggest this to the customer and that to the customer in a customer service type situation. Um, so it sounds like you are not saying that this is going to replace human employees, at least uh, imme- not immediately, not completely, right? <laughs> Would you agree that it sounds like, at least in this phase, it's really more of a kind of uh, augmenting and uh, supporting employees to allow them to be more effective? For sure. So, um, like, I think there will be efficiency gains, of course, and that maybe comes with you not like leveraging technology maybe to deal with seasonality and like peaks of volume. Um, But what we've seen uh, within our customer base is that by automating these manual tasks, uh, you free people to do more meaningful work. I'm giving you like like the, the basic example of CX, which is pretty much every company has to label uh, like as to have agents manually label what each request is like. And that's usually needed because you need to understand, okay, what are customers contacting me about? So I can do root cause analysis. I can understand like, where are the opportunities for improvement? Um, and like, I, I can plan and I can run my operation. Uh, uh, um, but this is a highly manual task. Agents hate doing. They don't do a good job at it. It takes a while for you to learn how to properly classify an email or, or, or a chat. And machines can do this way better than humans. Right. Now, if we just train a machine to do this, everyone will be happier because it's one less task that agents need to do. And like, this is no, no, there's no value added in labeling emails for reporting purposes. So we've seen lots of customers that have people fully dedicated to, 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 to triage requests so we can route them, like make sure they, they, they are handled by the right team, make sure we prioritize the ones that are, that are critical. Like we've seen our customers just free people to work on more, more meaningful tasks because suddenly they, they don't need to do this. Um, like massively decreasing like the number of agents. I have not seen that happen. Right. I think there's just a lot of work in CX <laughs> that can absorb this extra capacity. And I've seen other interesting jobs being created and people go work on uh, knowledge management. I think right. there's an er- like knowledge is an area that's not uh, 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 um, paid attention enough because in a world where, of course, bots can reply to customers automatically, but bots need to have a super strong knowledge base that's up to date, that's maintained, that's complete. And some like humans need to be involved in that, right? So the the role of the knowledge manager, uh, we will see that um, play a super important role in the future. Um, Also, we know now there's like bot trainers and bot supervisors (laughs) and people like making sure, uh, optimizing bots, setting things up, and making sure uh, the interactions have quality, um, optimizing the setup, and so on. So I would say there's 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 still a very important role for humans in this world. Uh, but I'm very happy we can just automate the mundane tasks. Yeah. <laughs> that, that shouldn't exist anyway. 
we hope you're enjoying this discussion. To join the conversation and engage with other business leaders on these topics, follow us on LinkedIn at AWS Executive Connection. Well, it's a, it's a very optimistic view. And by the way, I'm seeing the same thing. Um, you know, uh, the, making people's existing jobs better because they don't have to do that work that's maybe boring or uh, non-differentiated, right? They're not actually building something. They're not actually creating something. They're doing kind of a repetitive task over and over again. Um, let, let's let the bots do that. But then the other thing is these new jobs that are being created and these new skills that are being uh, needed within organizations uh, to manage uh, AI. Um, you mentioned a couple uh, knowledge managers and uh, the people who write and maintain the bots. Uh, what other skill sets uh, would you recommend people learn in order to prepare for this and to be more valuable in the workplace given kind of this AI revolution that we're undertaking? I think in this in this uh, era where uh, like things change really fast, the best thing you can learn is to be open to be empathetic, to try to really understand like the, the problems of your organization, uh, and I think this is the same with 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 being a product manager. Like uh, it's being obsessed about solving the customer issue. Um, like, like I, it's a very, like maybe I need to dig deeper because <laughs> what makes a good bot trainer, right? Uh, what makes a good knowledge manager? Um, what makes a good support agent, right? It's the empathy and it's the desire to really understand the customer problem and going the extra mile to solve it. Right. Like I would say these, uh, 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 these functions that are appearing in support would take advantage of the same types of skills, which is, well, how, how can I ensure a positive customer experience, uh, but making it maybe a little bit more automated um, I think in the past, maybe we tried to offload these AI uh, uh, um, systems to technical people. And the mission of those would be, let's automate as much as possible. And that's the wrong way to look at, at the task. The, the way to look at the task is, how can I ensure a very good customer experience, but still take advantage of the technology um, but also, I think it's not just the users of the systems. It's also whoever develops the technology needs to make it easy to understand and use. I don't think a person working in customer service should, like, uh, uh, um, like, like an, an agent or a bot trainer or a knowledge manager should just get technology that works maybe you don't need to know how, how, how a model works, right? right? Or what accuracy means. Or how do you guarantee the quality of your system like at, at the technical level? And I think lots of the tools that were designed in the last decade would ask for that. Um, and I think that was partially responsible for the fact that we have bad implementations of AI. Um, so I think also software companies have a very important role to play in making AI simple to understand and use. So AI is just embedded. Intelligence is just embedded in the way these people work and in the software they use in their daily jobs. Uh, sure. So I don't know if you're expecting me to say, oh no, they need to, 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 <laughs> to, to have low code skills or they need, they, maybe no. they have, they have to go to engineering school. 
I think that's the job of the software companies, making it very, very easy for them to use. Yeah, it's a great point. Um, you know, for, for this to be truly transformative for, for uh, business, uh, it's going to have to be accessible. Uh, if we're expecting everyone to learn how the models work and all of that, like it's kind of been in the past, as you said, uh, that's too much of a barrier. So I think uh, it's a very great point. And I, it's, uh, fortunately, it's what's happening, right? You can see the work that AWS is doing and others, uh, Zendesk, we're making it more accessible to more people who don't have that deep technical background and can actually take advantage of this technology at scale, um, again, to kind of help customers as much as possible. Um, and, and, and just to add to that, uh, I think also in the last decade, because AI used to be complex to understand and implement, I think only like the 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 enterprise big companies could afford it um, and like allocate the time and the money to make it happen. And I think through this new wave of uh, models and technologies available, uh, basically AI is accessible to like SMB, to mid-market, to enterprise customers. And that's where like the revolution starts. Right. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm very, very excited with that. It's I totally like, agree. It's, it's a similar revolution to like the cloud, right? Like before you'd have uh, big companies could like set up servers uh, and have their own uh, uh, infrastructure deployment. And then the cloud changed that. And I think like right now it's the same for AI. Yeah, I see it exactly the same way. It's uh, democratizing it. And um, I, what I see that resulting in is much more innovation in the world because it's not just limited, like you said, to your point, to these large companies that have all these resources that could develop their own models, that could uh, have huge data centers full of servers. You know, with the cloud and with these AI services, uh, specifically, like any company, any person with an idea, uh, with very little overhead, with very little uh, capital, uh, with very little time, could uh, be productive with this technology and actually build something, which is very exciting. For sure. So um, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit more about AI in general, because there's some questions that uh, I'm sure our audience wants to know about your opinion. Um, do you think that AI uh, has the uh, potential to offer an existential danger to companies and people? And if so, how do we, how do we steer it in the right direction and keep it doing uh, net good? Mm-hmm. Look, that's. <laughs> I think the answer to that is, uh, uh, as any other technology, right? Like it has the potential to do good and bad depending on what humans do with it. Um, so a lot of the uh, like concerns, the global concerns with AI, like have a, a, a point, right? Like uh, um, I'm, I'm not very pessimistic, as you can say. Uh, but I think it all comes down to what are we going to do with this technology? Um, even models that have the potential to generate data and go a little bit further, there's lots of effort in making sure those are tweaked. We put like the right foundations in place. Um, and and uh, so like they stay within uh, like the, the use cases they were designed to cover. So I think that's very important. And I think there has been like lots of investment in the area. In, in, in regards to this. Of course, when we teach machines based on data that might have biases and so on, like the machines will just mimic the human uh, behavior. And we know like we need to act in, 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 in regards to some cases. So um, I think it's interesting that in New York, 
Uh, there's a recent law that says if you're in HR and if you use AI to screen candidates, you need to have like kind of an independent audit that assesses uh, the system you're using for bias. Because, of course, we don't want to introduce bias in an HR system. Uh, I mean, I would say human, the human, the, the humans are biased anyway in screening candidates. But I think it's very like maybe machines can be less biased right. if trained properly. Um, and then I would say there will be maybe regulation. But I don't believe in global regulation. I think industry by industry, there's things that make sense. Uh, for example, if we think banking, like I think there will be regulation in the sector that will say, well, the credit score models need to have like a couple of uh, 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 characteristics. So I'm not just uh, uh, introducing bias in the system and denying people credit because an algorithm was not properly trained or uh, uh, the data was not balanced. So I think that will exist more and more, but I don't believe in global regulation. I think that will be very, very hard to apply and being an actor in an industry that's leveraging AI more and more, what I can tell is that we are all concerned with deploying AI right. Uh, we need to work on, on, on making it safe, secure, private. But again, I think we're going to get there. I think so, too. It's interesting, the, the, the topic of bias, right? Because uh, you kind of alluded to it. But it's, you know, what the AI is doing, what these models are doing is actually show like putting a mirror in front of us. <laughs> so any bias we see in there, I mean, it's trained on our data. So uh, perhaps we should be looking to ourselves more than to the technology uh, to fix that. Um, but it's interesting do you also. Have, do you have more faith in humans or in the technology <laughs> to solve that? I have faith in, personally, I have faith in us working together. Uh, you know, um, I think the technology has a role to play. Humans have a role to play. And I think as long as we can learn to, um, you know, amplify each other's strengths, um, for for a common good, I think we'll be we'll be we'll be fine. Um, I like that. We're I, cautiously I think, optimistic. I think that's the that's the perfect case. <laughs> well, we I mean it's up to us, right? I mean we um, we 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 need to be active participants in this. Um, you know, everybody in the world needs to be active participants in this. We can't just sit back and watch what it does. We have the ability to shape what it does, and I would say that's true with this more than previous transformations. Um, uh, just because it is a reflection of us uh, in, a, in, a, in a large sense uh, for many reasons. So um, that, that's my advice for people is to kind of get involved in this. You know, I mean, this is our industrial revolution. This is our ability to shape the future. Um, and we really have a lot of leverage right now in these early days. So sounds like you're probably in agreement with me that like the way that like, for example, the way we fight bias in AI, one of the greatest use cases of AI is to discover bias. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it's very, very powerful in that way. So, you know, it seems like if we're instead of trying to kind of pause this technology or stop the progress of this technology, let's utilize this technology to solve some of these problems that we're seeing. Right. Because if we don't, then again, we're just kind of sitting back and watching others do whatever they're going to do with it. Uh, the good guys need to be active uh, as much as possible in this. Yeah, completely agree. Completely agree. And again, uh, I mean, like it's it's very easy to find the believers, but it's also very easy to find the ones that say, oh, no, like we are going to be killed by AI. Um, and I think if we focus on how we can leverage this technology to solve a million problems we have in the world, then everyone wins. So and I mean, like we could stay here for hours just to mention like the potential in like lots of industries in, in, in research, in medicine, in climate change, uh, um, like 
beyond like CX and technology right. uh, um, uh, in like deep problems we have in the world. So uh, I think let's let's keep developing it and let's pay attention to the negative aspects, try to overcome those and mm-hmm. use AI for uh, the greater good. Absolutely. So um, can you tell me a little bit about what Zendesk is working on now? Anything interesting? Any projects uh, that you'd like to share with us? A million cool things. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my job, which I'm very passionate about. We really believe in the power of AI for customer service. So we've been investing a lot in building more and more automation tools for our customers um, while democratizing access to uh, AI. So from SMB to enterprise customers with Zendesk, you click a button, you have AI helping you label everything that's coming in, inform you what you should automate, helping you like escalate to agents, making them more productive with 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 assistance that help them get better at their jobs. Uh, of course, generative AI has been quite popular in the industry. And I can tell you that uh, we are going to launch uh, big things in, in, in the area. Um, so, so also our customers can leverage it. But I would say lots of things in the automation space, generative AI for productivity and automation are maybe the big, the big ones I would highlight. Christina, thank you so much for joining us today. This was fascinating. I uh, really appreciate it. Thanks, Jake. Jake, really appreciate the invite. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Conversations with Leaders, brought to you by AWS Executive Insights. If you enjoyed this episode, please help us spread the word and subscribe, share, rate, and review. Visit aws.amazon.com slash executive insights for more on these topics.